If you grew up without the attention and love of good parents, you may find yourself in adulthood drawn powerfully to people who can't give you attention or love. This can be healed, but yes, it's hard because that wound that happened during your early development still needs to heal. And until it does, you may find yourself disappointed and getting your heart broken again and again. My letter today is from a man I'll call Simon, and he writes, Dear Anna, I'm a gay male, grew up in a home with an absent father who was an addict and a mother who was the breadwinner, but who could at times be narcissistic and rageful. All right, I've got the fairy pencil. I'm going to circle some things I want to come back to on a second reading, but let's see what's going on with Simon. He says, needless to say, my childhood could be scary. This was abuse. Well, I'm 27 now and I'm living out of state, so fortunately I'm no longer near my family or their drama. I moved to a new city after experiencing a great amount of personal growth. I'd begun exercising regularly, lost weight, got out of debt, and even completed a semester of college. And this has been a positive year for me, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. However, I thought that I'd done enough with developing my self-esteem and that I'd done enough to learn how to establish my boundaries so that by the time I moved here, I wouldn't have to be disrespected or mistreated by men because I wouldn't let them admonish me or objectify me. I didn't date anyone until I was 18, but that was nine years ago. And in those nine years, almost every single man I've spent time with, within or without a relationship, seemed to not appreciate my mind or personality, but viewed me as an object of pleasure. But that is not what I am. I thought maybe, though, I'd finally had my break about a month ago when a handsome middle-aged man came into my work. We chatted for a few minutes, and it seemed a little flirtatious. He ended up giving me his number, and I was giddy with excitement. We began texting later that night and eventually arranged to meet for brunch and to explore the city. It felt good when he'd give me compliments and say I was cute or handsome. At some point, he revealed to me that his most recent boyfriend passed away of brain cancer, and I told him that I was terribly sorry and that, quote, you're never going to leave him behind. You're going to continue to honor him for the rest of your life. Hmm. I wanted him to know I respected his feelings and that I have empathy. I know that must be a painful experience, especially if his death meant the end to the healthiest relationship he'd ever had. Fast forward to what I believed was our second date, and we, talk, we take a walk after dinner. There's heavy petting and making out, and eventually, while walking, he says, we need to talk about our relationship because we're never going to be boyfriends. Oh, I responded, yes, because you're too young for me. And to be fair, says Simon, he is 20 years older. It hurt. He asked me how I felt. I said, foolish. And he tried to comfort me, and he then asked if I wanted to hang out for longer and suggested that we come back to my place, so we did. I thought we were just going to lay down next to one another platonically and talk, but he had other plans. All right, hold on, hold on. He made passes, and we had sex. The last time we met, we were both very polite and rational with each other, but I foolishly admitted that I was in love with him after only knowing him for 38 days, and that each minute spent with him was paradise. He tried to talk some sense into me and acknowledge that I barely know him and that he's had negative experiences with younger guys. I told him that I understand and that I want him to be happy regardless of who he does or doesn't end up with. 
I told him what qualities he had that I appreciate and that someone else will. Eventually, I asked him why I was good enough for casual sex, but not a relationship. There it is. And he sort of deflected. That's not what I said, but it's what he indicated. I eventually gave him a ride home and told him that I wish him well and thanked him for the few memories we made. I'm choosing not to speak to him again because I feel like he deliberately manipulated me and toyed with my emotions. How do I prevent this from happening again? I'm genuinely disappointed, like maybe it wasn't about my age, but maybe there was something I'd done or said that was off-putting, which caused him to want to distance himself, but I'm unsure. I believe that I'm attracted to emotionally unavailable people because both my parents were that way and it's what's familiar to me. I feel cursed. How do I not lose hope that I'll find real love in the midst of this limerence or infatuation? Sincerely, Simon. Okay, Simon, I can help you. All right, get ready. Here we go. So you had these parents, uh, absent father who was an addict right there. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot. And then your mother um, could be narcissistic and rageful and you were scared a lot and it was abusive. Okay, so first of all, off the hook, any of your CPTSD symptoms are totally understandable from here on out, all right? They're understandable, but if your life is gonna get better, you're gonna have to start like dealing with them. And you're gonna have to stop waiting for other people to change how they care about you or interact with you so that you can feel better. It begins first with you. So let's talk through how to do that. So you're 27 and you moved away from your family and you've had this really positive year, and I agree, where um, exercising, lost weight, out of debt, semester of college, this is all fabulous. So this is great, you're in a good place. However, I thought I'd done enough with developing my self-esteem and done, and done enough to set boundaries so that when I moved there, I wouldn't have to be disrespected or mistreated by men because I wouldn't let them admonish me or objectify me. So I just was sort of like, huh, about this, I understand not wanting to be objectifying, that makes sense in the context of your story, but admonish you, like scold you about something, is that something that's happened before? I didn't understand that comment. Um, but I'm wondering, like admonishment usually comes from somebody who thinks that they are senior to or superior to the other person, right? Like a parent. And if you do have a pattern of going for older men, perhaps there's some sort of dynamic there. And you had this mean mom, narcissistic and rageful. So I don't know. I didn't hear admonishment in the story that you gave me here. So I just didn't understand that. So you didn't date till you were 18. Cool. And then now it's been nine years and almost every man you've spent time with or had a relationship with didn't appreciate your mind or your personality, but viewed you as an object of pleasure. And that's not who you are. Of course, it's not who you are. You're a whole human being. But I notice when you talk about how you met this guy, you met him at work and you were giddy and you were texting later and he said you were cute and handsome. Those would be, that's how somebody interacts with somebody because they're cute and handsome and not because they know their mind. It takes time to know what kind of mind somebody has. So dating and getting to know somebody is going to be a long conversation. I want to do a little side thing here that if you want to be known for your mind, I really encourage you to develop your mind, read challenging books, go get a second semester of college and a third and a fourth. Become somebody who is thoughtful. 
One of the things that I think is really underrated is, you know, I, I really sort of stopped reading as much as I used to when the internet got so interesting, especially when our phones came out. You could just look at your phone when you had free time. And I used to read books when I had free time. So I'm back to reading books again. The minute I'm reading a book, and I'm not talking about, you know, fun novels. I read nonfiction. I read things uh, that are, I'm learning something new. There's usually something I'm already interested in, but I'm learning something new. And it is so stimulating for me. And then when I do see people, I have really interesting things to contribute to a conversation. And most people are not going to have read the same books. Oh, but when they have, it's so exciting. And I love reading blogs and substacks from people because the people who comment on that substack writer are people who read that person and think about and are interested in what they're talking about. And you can get into kind of a online um, friendship that way. And I have several online friends who I've reached out to and we talk about what they've written and I'm in a nice position to do that because I am sort of a public person too. So they have a quick reference to just find out who is this person. And they're like, oh, okay, she has a YouTube channel about trauma. So I think that helps me. But that's also like having a YouTube channel about trauma is a way that I developed myself. It just had nothing to do with how other people were going to see me. But you say almost every single man you've spent time with seem not to appreciate your mind or your personality. So the basis of the relationship has to be discussion and friendship if they're not going to see you as an object of desire. If it's really, really easy to have sex with you, well, you're, you're the one who's sort of encouraging that dynamic with you. And if you want, you can do that if that's fun for you. But I just, I hear that you're suffering and you're surprised that somebody was sort of interested in fooling around with you, but was not interested in a relationship and you felt manipulated. And I honestly, I, I saw a little wobble there. I feel like this man, when, when it came out that you were really into him and he said, you know, he stopped you. It was your second date. And he said, look, you know, we're never going to be boyfriends. When people tell you something like that, it doesn't matter that they then start flirting with you or sleep with you. That you know, you have your information. He he doesn't want to be a boyfriend. And I want you to learn to be very strong about this because that's why we date. We want to find out if there is mutual interest. And second date is totally fair game for somebody to say, now that we've hung out a little bit, ah, I realize this is there's no future here. And often when people are saying they're not interested, and you've probably had to do this with people too, you don't want to tell them the whole truth of just like, I don't know, I'm not attracted, or I don't know, I just don't think we have that much to talk about. That's usually what it would be, right? Or you've done something to offend me. And I don't know if you have, did or not, it's hard to tell. But if you being you offended him, good riddance, that's not a suitable boyfriend for you. And he's older and he just can call it like this, this is not a match. And he told you, but you were so sad. I, what I think he was doing there was placating you. And you know, a lot of men, they're just like, well, okay, if sex is on offer and you're, you understand, and I told you, I'm not interested in a relationship and you still want it with me, fair's fair. And I, I see where he's coming from. Now, personally, I've sort of learned that when people are vulnerable and they, especially if they have CPTSD and you can't always know that, but if we have CPTSD, we're usually with people who also do. So I would just, you know, if that guy had asked me for advice, I'd be like, 
Simon is vulnerable. You know, he had this rough upbringing. He is really looking for love. He hears you and he's going to try to say all this nice stuff to you that it's okay. Like you listed all these like caring things you said to him. But honestly, Simon, that feels like you were trying to placate it. You were trying to prove that you're such a nice guy that he will love you. But when you, go, you know, start doing all this nice stuff, like I understand, I want you to be happy with the new guy. You're doing all this right when you got rejected. That may be where you were signaling that you're a very hurt person and you don't have the self-esteem, you know, that you don't, that you don't have the metal to, you know, be in a relationship with somebody who's more mature and developed. They don't want somebody who you can push over like that, who you can just reject like that and they still sleep with you. Or maybe they do. It's okay. You know, if both people want that and all the time, my gay men friends are telling me, you have to understand gay culture. And to some degree I can understand, but I'm still a person. And I'm just like, you know, if love is what you want, then insta sex is never your friend. It's going to, and especially because you get all attached, which you did here, you got attached and it began to feel personal and like a big rejection. Second date, like dating is just to see, like, is there enough here for a third date? And it's really, really good if people can figure that out in the first three dates, like no harm, no foul, no sex, nothing has happened. Just like, oh no, it's not really here. Can you imagine how free that would make you? And you could, you know, go on dates, go on early dates, but consider saving sexuality for much later down the line. And I know you're going to say gay men don't like that. Okay. Well, some do. <laughs> they write to me all the time saying, I wish, I wish I could find somebody who, who loved me and who would wait till we got to know each other and would wait till I had more information about whether I should bond with this person. Right? So I know they're there, but it becomes our experience over and over again when our need for love is so immediate and raw that our need to be careful and measured and get to know somebody is totally forgotten. You know, the, the sort of like hormones and the emotions and everything are just like, oh, whatever, I don't care, right? And that doesn't serve us. It, it, if you have complex PTSD and you keep having relationships that tear you apart, it's going to re-traumatize you. And so the, the, the art of it here, the art of healing is to find a way to get guardrails and support Guardrails being you figure out in advance what you really want in a relationship. I'm going to encourage you take my dating course. It starts you figure out what you want. Most people who are traumatized as kids are not very good at naming what they want. They're very good at fitting themselves to whatever that person du jour wants. And then, you know, pretending they don't have higher expectations than that and trying to be a cool, you know, cool guy about it or cool girl and nice guy. So there's a book called uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. I recommend often to men and you might want to read it. And it's about trying to people please people and thinking that's going to get you love and then wondering why doesn't it? And it's a deep book and it's pretty intense. And the end of it is like pretty much for men only. <laughs> but I read it at somebody's suggestion and it really helped me understand men. And it just gave me this huge lens to see what happens. And it's the equivalent of what I call cool girl who just lets people walk all over her and becomes accommodating to some guy who just wants to use her for an occasional thing, but not really give her the relationship that she's hoping for. And she suffers and suffers, but always puts on a happy face like, hey, no, I'm totally cool with this. I'm the cool girl. <laughs> I don't want to be cool girl anymore. And when I stopped is when things got better for me. And the risk when you begin to set that boundary that I'm not just going to be whatever you want me to be, even though I don't know you yet, 
The risk is, is that they will not be interested in you. If there's not going to be sex that day, they don't want to hang out. So those are the people you don't want anyway. Those people are guaranteed to keep giving you that experience of being the, you know, an object of pleasure, which you are not. That's dehumanizing for you. That's not what you are, but you will always be able to find men who will be happy to use you for that, especially while you're young. So you have to decide what you want and begin to not interact or date in any kind of flirty level with people who are not that. You just go back to being who you are and have a boundary there. And when you date, people can present themselves to you and you take information in. You just take information in like, oh, nice to meet you. Let them tell you about themselves. Let them tell you what they're looking for. Take your time. This like learning about somebody takes like two years. Okay. Just saying now you might want to get romantic or sexual with somebody before that much time has passed. Okay but you do so at your own risk. Because if somebody turns out to be abusive, horrible, not into you, manipulating you, it can take a long time to find out. It can take a very long time to find out. And so you risk getting hit with that surprise later. So everything that you can do now to be friends, just you know, stop using dating as a euphemism for casual sex. Use dating to be, you have a meal together, you have a coffee, you take a walk, you go to a museum, you spend some time together and get to know each other and have a conversation and start to find out who that person is. The chemistry that you feel with people, like you're gonna have chemistry with many people, that attraction, you'll have it with many people in your life, but there will be one, maybe two, who you feel totally like they get you, you get them, there's this mm there. So that's what you're taking your time to find and you're letting that feeling of attraction pass you by. There are some people who casual sex is like no big deal to them. I don't think you're one of them. You know, I'm not one of them. You have to decide what your line is there. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.